to thank you so much to our worship team, our sound and media team, our Sunday school teachers, our greeters, everybody that makes things happen the way they do. Man, what a great day that we had. If you were either here or maybe you caught some of it on Facebook uh, yesterday, what a powerful day. This sanctuary was filled with men all across the state of Mississippi. And uh, just a powerful time in the Lord yesterday. And I'm thankful to so many here that helped made that happen and participate. I'm thankful for what God is doing. I'm thankful. I believe God has, has a purpose for us here at Starkville Church of God to do different things like that. And I'm thankful that God's continuing to use this. The book of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. I'm going to read from the King James Version this morning. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. It says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to preach to you this morning on a very, very simple subject. Look to Jesus. Would you stretch your hands this way? Pray for me as I do the same for you here today. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the praises that have gone forth. Thank you, Lord God, for the atmosphere, Lord, that is in this house. Your presence is here. You have honored your word that says that when we come together, when two or three would gather in your name, there would you be in the midst of us, and we thank you for that. Lord, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, God, here in the room. Lord, those that may be listening by podcast, I pray that you'd open their heart, their mind, and their spirit. Let the Holy Spirit of God reveal to them, Lord, what you want to say to them. And I ask that you'd help me today, that you'd give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that I need to do what you've called me to do, O Lord. Hide me behind the shadow of the cross, O Lord. And I pray that you would receive all glory and honor and praise from anything that comes from this service oh Lord I pray oh God that you would just let me preach like a man from another world Lord God let it be like fire shut up in my bones here today and God I give you the praise for it in Jesus mighty name and everybody in the house said amen as you're seated would you turn around to two or three people give them a fist bump smile at them say it's good to see you this morning at Starkville Church of God there is a never-ending attempt to grab your attention by advertisers. Companies pay large sums of money to find, up, find out what you like in order to grab your attention and put the right products in front of you so that you will buy their products. Privacy settings on social media sites and web browsers are constantly being updated to remind you that they are tracking your information to know what you are most likely to buy. All the time you hear about this, and as you read statistics, I think I've mentioned this before, but it's pretty amazing when you find the differences between generations. The older generations, and I would say that I fit into that category also because of, I guess, where I stand on it. You know, the older generations, we say we don't want somebody to be constantly tracking us and knowing where we're going and what we're doing. You know, we think about the whole 
big brother, and I'm not talking about it. Well, it just comes from the, the saying and the thought of it, not just the show on CBS, but you think about how, you know, that there's somebody out there, an entity, a government that is watching you, tracking you. And let's just be honest, you know, it brings to mind a little random. It's all right. I'm sorry if I'm a little random. I'm a little tired from I'm full spiritually, but a little tired physically from this weekend. But, you know, it kind of makes me think about Santa Claus. You know, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. You know, we sing it all jolly. It's kind of creepy when you think about it. Uh, this old fat guy up in the North Pole is watching you. But all of these things are going on, and the reason that they're doing it, they're watching you, they're tracking you, because they want to grab your attention, because ultimately they want you to buy their product. And thanks to the world that we live in, it seems that every single one of us have a touch of ADD, don't we? Uh, I mean, it has. We've repro our brains have been reprogrammed because of commercials, because of internet, because of advertising. All of our brains are reprogrammed. We can't hardly function. We can't hardly think. I may have mentioned this before also, but again, pardon me if I'm just a little bit tired and forgetful this morning. I won't ever forget uh, one of the first years after both of those massive screams were put into Davis Wade Stadium. And one season, I don't remember what it was, uh, and if you own or, or work at Columbus Orthopedics, please forgive me, but they were putting all these dumb commercials on during the, uh, any timeout and everything. And I can remember one particular timeout. We were playing Alabama, and I looked down on the field, and even the players and the referees and everybody but Nick Saban was looking up there at those screens at them doing a chicken dance or something goofy like that. And we have all gotten to the place, both young and old, where our minds have gotten reprogrammed and our, our attention is here and there and grabbing it. We fight the distractions even right here in this sanctuary. And please don't get mad at me. I'm not being, I'm just talking about the facts here. People get up and go in and out. I know sometimes you got to go to the bathroom. I understand that. And I knew if I did, somebody would get up and think, I'm not preaching about anybody. I understand. I might have to run out of here and go to the bathroom sometimes, you know. Uh, you you got to get up. You got to do it. You got to go do something. You're sitting here and you're trying to listen to me. And all of a sudden, you, you'll get, I guarantee you before this service is over, I'll get some sort of stupid notification. I try to turn them off. And I've been getting Uber notifications because I used Uber when we were in San Antonio. And it's like, you'll get all these dumb notifications that are trying to grab your attention and snatch your attention. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Things are going to get you. Sometimes there'll be a baby that will decide to cry. And again, you know how I feel about it. I'm thankful for a church that's got life and got babies. And listen, sometimes they are. They're going to be babies and they're going to cry. I will give you this one, though, one time that I'm not going to say where I was, what church it was, but there was a Sunday night I was preaching and it just got ridiculous. Because um, it, it, really it wasn't the baby, it was the adults. And I will never forget, I was trying to preach on a Sunday night. And, and just on the second row, there was a baby, and the family had the baby, and they were taking the baby, and the baby wasn't even crying, and they were passing the baby from one to another on the pew, and then they passed the baby behind them to the pew behind them, and even that I could get through, but then at one point, 
At one point, then, they pull out a phone and they start taking pictures of the baby while I'm trying to preach on a Sunday night. And for, I, just, I was just like, precious Lord, what in the world am I doing here? I was just ready to just walk out the door in the middle of preaching and see if they even noticed in the middle of their photo shoot that I was no longer giving them background noise. I tell you all that to say that there are things that are trying to get our attention constantly. Things are distracting us, and it's no different spiritually. We struggle to keep looking to Jesus. I read to you here, looking unto Jesus, that we must look to him. The most important thing that we can do today is that we can look to Jesus, that we keep our eyes focused and fixed and fastened on the Savior. But we know if we've been doing this very long, there are so many things that just like in the natural, they're trying to grab our attention. They're trying to pull us away from what we should be focusing on. There are things spiritually that the enemy wants to do to take your attention and take your focus off of Jesus. So I want to address three factors when it comes to looking to Jesus. Number one, Satan tries to turn us from Jesus. You see, he'll work to get us to put our eyes on ourselves instead of Jesus. You know, we hear that so much in the day that we live in. Just, oh, just focus on yourself, honey. Just take to you, do you, boo. You take care of you. It's all about you. You need a, you need a, you know, he, you see, Satan knows he can't be very successful many times at getting us to focus on him. Nobody wants to look at the devil and worry about the devil, but he's more likely to get our focus off Jesus if we, he can get us to then put our focus on our selves. He'll do different things. He tries to convince us that our sins are too big to be forgiven. You see, sometimes he wants to convince you that your sins, he'll come to you and even though you don't want to look at him, he'll get your focus off Jesus because he wants you to look at you and he wants you to think about, well, you know how much junk you've done. You know how many sins you've committed. You've done a lot of bad stuff. I don't know that the Lord would ever forgive you for that. And once again, then, we began magnifying our sin over magnifying Jesus and his grace. Can I, if, you're, if I'm the first, I'm happy to be the first. If not, I just remind you today that there is no sin too great. There is nothing that you have done too bad that the blood of Jesus Christ is not able to wash it away and forgive you of your sins. Because the Bible tells me that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness if we will simply confess them to him. Amen. Give the Lord praise if you believe it. And then sometimes the enemy will try to convince us that we're just bad Christians. You know, well, you know, you don't really pray enough. You don't really have the joy like you should. You've got too many issues to be a good Christian. You don't have enough faith. I don't even know if you'll really ever make it to the end. And listen, while self-examination is very biblical and necessary, we can become so focused on ourselves and our faults that we no longer look 
to Jesus. Yes, we need to look to the Word. Yes, we need to let the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us and correct us and make us more like Him. But we can't get to the place where we're so focused on how bad or how pitiful that we are that we can't realize that Jesus is great enough to help us make it. I love in the book of Jude where it says, unto Him who is able to keep us from falling. You see, if you get to the place where you think that you just can't make it, you've taken your eyes off of Jesus and you're putting your eyes on yourself. I just need to remind somebody here today, I serve a risen Savior named Jesus who the Bible says he is able to keep you from falling. He is able to keep you from falling away from him. He is able to help you to make it all the way to the end. I'll remind you real quickly, many of you are probably familiar with the story, but I'll remind you quickly of the story in the Gospels where one of Jesus' disciples named Peter, they were out on the ocean, and they saw Jesus afar off walking on the water. And Peter said what? He said, Jesus, if that's you out there, let me come out there to you. Jesus said, come on. And we know the, the story, some of us do. If you don't, I'm, I, I, I got in a habit of that, and now I'm realizing less and less people know what the Bible says. So if you know the story, then just follow with me. If you don't, then here it is for you. And the Bible said that Peter, he swung his old leg over the side of the boat, and he what? He began to walk on the water. He started walking towards it long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. He kept on keeping his eyes on Jesus, and he was walking on the water. But then the Bible says that he began to look around. He began to look around at the winds, and he began to look around at the waves all around him, and suddenly he started taking his eyes off of the master, his eyes off of Jesus, and put his eyes, what, on all of the mess going on around him, the storms all around him. And what happened? The Bible said then he began to sink. No longer could he walk on the water, but he began to sink when he began to put his focus on his problem around him. Church, I'm telling you today that it is so easy. It is so easy for us to get focused on all the mess going on around us. It's easy for us to get focused on an economy that we don't know where in the world it's going to. It's easy for us to get focused on gasoline that it's gone down a little bit, but it's still pretty high. It's easy for us. This week I've been seeing it's I'm dreading coming in here, but I've been seeing people post about electric bills and how they it's so easy for us when the problems and the cares of this life when we got a pain in our body and we've got sickness in our body and our family's not doing good and our children aren't racking right it's easy for us to get focused on all of this other stuff and that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do because he knows if you ever take your eyes off Jesus what'll happen just like it happened to Peter you'll find yourself engulfed by him you'll sink in them and you'll eventually drown. But I need to remind somebody on this Sunday morning today in August that if you will keep your eyes on Jesus there will be the winds and the waves. There will be the problems but he will let you walk on the top of them. They'll be there. They'll still, you'll still have to see them. You'll have to deal with them but he'll let you walk. They will not consume you. They will not drown you. They will not be the end of you. He will help you to walk 
walk on them if you'll keep your eyes on Jesus. Secondly, this morning, the Holy Spirit tries to turn us to Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit does quicken us. He does search us. You see, he tells us to get this out or put this in. Anybody still believe in the convicting power of the Holy Ghost? And I'm not even talking about, of course, I believe in it, that, that no man can be saved unless the Spirit of God draw him. But I still believe in believers that the Holy Ghost will still convict us about, hey, you don't need to do that anymore. Hey, you don't need to act like that anymore. You don't need to say, I don't know if this is, is this all right Sunday morning preaching here? I still believe that the Holy Spirit will quicken us and he will convict us. And he tells us, get this out or put this in. And our response should be what? To quickly obey and move forward. But what happens? We want to negotiate instead of simply obeying. You see, it burns us up when our kids do it. She's not in here, and I try not to embarrass my kids preaching. But she's not in here. She's up in children's church. So I'm going to, Molly Kate just did this yesterday. Jamie was telling me yesterday, it, it's been a busy weekend. They've had cheer practice, dance practice, men's conference and everything. And she came to the Family Life Center while we were eating. And Jamie knew she needed to eat before she went to cheer practice. And she said, get you some fish, get you a plate before you go to cheer practice. And she started, I don't even know why. She's trying to serve. We got fish flying, grease flying, fries flying. I mean, guys everywhere. And instead of just saying, yes, ma'am, what is she? Well, I don't know if I want that. What do we have up at the house? And I know I did the same thing as a kid. I'm not Molly Kay. I, we got two good girls. But I'm just saying, I know it's our human, it's our human nature because I do the same thing with God sometimes. You know, it burns us up when our kids do that. When we say, well, I need you to do this. And it's like, and they start, well, what about, no, this is not a negotiation. We're not at Geneva. We're not, we're not having a convention here. We're not trying to negotiate anything. I am the dictator of this house. And you are subservient to me, child. And you will do as I say. I need some mamas and daddies to give me an amen if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> We do the same thing to the Lord. The Lord, the Lord prompts us, hey, you, you need to do this. You need to stop doing this. And we're not saying, but you know, is that really, I don't know, is that God? I kind of like, I kind of like that. I kind of, I kind of want to do that. Oh, Lord, help us. But the Holy Spirit is always, always, the Spirit of the Lord is always pointing back to Jesus. He's always trying to get us to point our attention. And if it's the Holy Spirit that's trying to get us to, to do something or not do something, it is because it is for our own good. John 16, 13 and 14, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit Spirit of God is going to glorify Jesus. So I'm telling you this morning, if you want to keep your eyes on Jesus, it is the Holy Ghost of God that will lead you and guide you and help you to get back on track. 
He tells us that we are nothing but that Christ is all in all. You see, it's not our hold on Jesus that saves us. It's Jesus that saves us. It is not our joy in Jesus that saves us. It is Jesus. It's not even our faith in Jesus that saves us. Even though that is the instrument that God uses, it's still Jesus. It's Jesus' blood. It's Jesus' death. It's Jesus' resurrection. It's Jesus that saves us. It's not about me. It's not about any other person. It's not about you. It's about Jesus and how he can save you. It's not, don't look to your hand holding on to Jesus. Look to Jesus whose hand is holding on to yours. Don't look to hope. Look Look to Jesus who is the source of hope. And don't even look to faith because you need to look to Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Faith is nothing without Jesus because you can have faith in a whole lot of stuff, a whole lot of stuff that can't save you, a whole lot of stuff that won't do you any good. But it is Jesus. It is him that we must look to. That old song says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. I remind you today, church, we must keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, the life. He is the only way to get to heaven. Somebody give Jesus praise here today. Third and final, Jesus is our example. He is not only the object of faith's vision, he is also the author and perfecter. What does that mean exactly? Well, the word Arthur comes from a Greek word that I'm not going to try to pronounce. But it also, that word, that, that Greek word can also be translated as pioneer or leader. You see, as author of our faith, Jesus is the source and initiator of true faith. Having opened the way to God through his death on the cross. You see, it is Jesus that has authored your faith. Aren't you glad today that the Bible says that he loved us before we ever loved him? In every other religion on this planet right now, it's all about you've got to go seeking after that God, that little G God. You have to seek after them. But in Christianity, it's a whole different case. You see, he looked for you before you ever looked for him. He is the author of our faith. He started it. He started it on the cross. He started it when he died. He started it when he bled. He started it when when he rose again, he is the author of your faith, the initiator. And as the pioneer or the leader, I told you this also can be translated pioneer or leader. He is out 
front in the race leading the way. I need to let you know today that this path that you're trying to walk of Christianity, somebody has come this way already. Jesus didn't call us to try to tread through places that have never been before. Have you ever been out in the woods and tried to go through a path and nobody's ever been through? You got branches hitting you in the face. You're trying to get through there, but then there's a good time whenever you find you a trail, a path that has already been trodden out for you. The limbs are gone. The way is open. I need you to know today that Jesus Christ, he is the pioneer. He is the leader of our faith. He is out front in this thing, leading the way. Somebody has been this way before. You're not the first person to ever face what you're facing. In fact, the book of Hebrews tells us as well that we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus has been this way before. He's been sick. He's been hurt. He's been betrayed. He's been lonely. He's been where you're at. He has walked this path before. You're not walking away that nobody's ever been before. Jesus is our pioneer and leader. He's already come this way, and he left us a map, his word, and a spiritual GPS, the Holy Spirit, to make our way forward. He's been this way. You know, when we lived up in Illinois, it was in the St. Louis area, and if you ever go up there anytime, one of the things that you'll see a lot of up there, go to the arts, go to the museum. Lewis and Clark. Anybody remember Lewis and Clark? You heard of them in history. You can learn a lot about them and how they began to go west of the Mississippi and they began to map out what was west of the Mississippi River. And now today we have maps. Why? Because somebody went ahead and drew up a map so that you can get there. We went west of the Mississippi River about three or four weeks ago and went to San Antonio. But what? There was plenty of maps and there is plenty of ways because somebody had already been that way before. Now, don't misunderstand me. Don't think there's plenty of ways, but I do want you to understand that Jesus Christ as a pioneer, he has took the way. Now, he is the only way, but he has made a way. In fact, we sing it that he is the way maker. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. We see him in the Old Testament as our pioneer, as the children of Israel stood there at the Red Sea. There was a sea in front of them, mountains to the side of them, Pharaoh and his armies behind him, and it looked like there was no way out. But thanks be to God, he revealed himself as the way maker. When he said, Moses, you take your staff and you stretch it over that Red Sea, and what happened? We freed that the Red Sea began to part and a way was made where there was no way before. I just need to remind somebody here today that Jesus Christ as the pioneer of our faith, he will make a way. You may be standing somewhere right now and it looks like there is no way, but I need to tell you, look 
to Jesus because he is the pioneer of our faith. He will make a way where there seems to be no way because that's who he is. Give him praise if you believe it. Not only is he the author, the pioneer of our faith, but he is the finisher of our faith as well. That comes from a Greek word that can also mean perfector. It suggests that all, all that faith hopes for finds its consummation in him. He brings it all together. As we find ourselves living in these last days and Many of us have looked, especially in the last few years, looked to the book of Revelation. I'm reminded that when you look at the Bible, you find that it matches up in Genesis and Revelation. It began in Genesis, and it's almost like we come full circle. Don't believe me. Jesus himself said it. So as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. It's coming. It's coming back around. You see, we find that he doesn't just start it and leave it to happen. He's involved from start to finish. You see, as the finisher of my faith, it tells me, I thank God that he started it. I thank God that he began it. But how many of you ever started a project with help from somebody and then they just left you high and dry? You started something with somebody else and you thought you had their help and they kind of got you going. But once you got going, they're like, see ya, you on your own. But I'm thankful today that Jesus not only as the author, as a pioneer, made a way, sought me out, started me on this faith journey. But he also has been with me, and he ain't going to leave me at any time because he is the finisher of my faith also. I know that he's going to walk with me. That old song says, and we sing it at funerals most of the time, but my God, it's better than just at a funeral. He walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own. I'm thankful to God that he didn't just start this thing and throw me out there by myself and leave me he is walking with me the entire time and he's going to be with me all the way until the end of this earth (laughs) he endured it all rejection the beating the cross the shame because he saw past it all saw the joy that would come from salvation who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How could Jesus, how in the world could he face a cross? How in the world could he face a beating? How in the world could he face an excruciatingly painful death and still have joy? Why? Because he knew that past the cross and past the beating and past the death was the tomb and then past the tomb was an empty tomb and past that was going to be 
his church that would be the blood-bought church of the living God. It was because of that that he endured all that. That's how he had the joy. Let me just tell you this today. As our musicians come and take their places, just like Jesus, just like Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He endured because he knew the end. I don't know what you're going through right this moment. I don't know all the battles that you're facing, but he does. And guess what? He sees past this battle you're in right now. When we are the ones engulfed in it, it's tough. Let me just be honest. It's tough when we're the ones engulfed in it. It's tough when we're the ones that our bodies are sick. It's tough when we're the ones that we got all kind of chaos going on. It's tough for us. That's why we've got to look to Jesus. Because as we look to Jesus, we can see past the winds, the waves. We can see past the hurt. We can see past the trials. And we can see what's coming in the end. Because he is the finisher of our faith. I don't know what trials and what tests are coming my way as an individual, as a pastor. I know things I've had to face before and I know God got me through them. And I don't know in however long the Lord tarries and leaves me here on this earth, I don't know what all I'll have to face. Listen, I'm very blessed. I know that, but I know I'm not naive enough to think that there's not going to be some Tough days still. But what I do know is eventually there is an ending for all the trials and all the pains and all the hurts. Eventually there's going to be an end to all that. And that the author, the one who started me out and the one, the pioneer who said it, is also the finisher. And he's going to finish it up. If I'll keep my hand in his hand, that at the end of it all, I'll stand before him. And through his grace, he'll look at me and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler of many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He's the finisher of it. 